right. Well, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to uh, hear from you uh, tonight. We thank you for this podcast and for the lives that are being uh, touched through uh, this, through these teachings every single week. And I thank you that tonight you have something specific on your heart for every listener. I thank you that you are the best encourager, the best father, the best leader, the most brilliant creative mind that has ever or will ever exist. You are, you are the problem solver. You are the, the source of every single thing that we could ever need to experience your life. And so, Lord, I just uh, thank you that you are doing something so spectacular and something very specific in each of our lives right now. You are transforming us by the renewing of our minds. You are causing us to think with the mind of Christ. You are, you are bringing us up to your level <laughs> where we are seated in heavenly places and we can see things from your perspective and we can live above the storms of life and, and live as an overcomer. God, you have, you have recreated us in Christ to be victorious because Jesus has won. He has won. He wears the victor's crown. And so tonight, Lord, as we just press into what you want to speak and what you want to share with us tonight, we just thank you in advance that you are so far out in front of whatever the enemy is doing. Thank you that you, you've already worked it together for good. <laughs> Thank you that there is not a single thing that can happen in our lives that is beyond your ability to redeem and beyond your ability to, to craft into something that glorifies Jesus and causes us to be overjoyed and, and full of gratefulness and, and thankfulness, God, for your brilliance and your ability to work it out. <laughs> so, Lord, I just, uh, I just receive tonight the words of life that you want to speak. Think through my mind. I yield my faculties to you. And I thank you and give you all the glory for what you're going to do through this teaching in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I uh, tonight I, I thought we would, I don't know, just change the title a little bit. We've, you know, been kind of going through a series since December that I was calling The Gospel According to Shalise, and I think we're on like part nine or something, so I feel like at some point you got to, I mean, I could teach on the gospel according to Shalise for the rest of my life. So I felt like I probably needed to, to maybe switch the, the, the title a little bit. And so when I was praying about it, I, I feel like it's, um, it's coming off of 
the word that God gave me for 2019. And I don't know how long uh, I'll be sitting on this, but I, I don't feel released to leave it yet because I really do think that it's not really just a word for 2019. It's a word that you stick with until you actually get it. <laughs> it is a word that you uh, focus on until it becomes the way that you are without having to think about it. And so I thought uh, I, we're going to call this the, this next series just abiding in the vine. And this this particular episode is going to be uh, entitled "Connecting to the Truth." So again, it's, the title is going to be "Abiding in the Vine." with a a little subtitle there called Connecting to the Truth. And so I want to kick off tonight again just by reading the prophetic word, or I guess, you know, that's kind of a, I mean, it is a prophetic word, but honestly, it was just my journal entry. (laughs) It was what I got while I was journaling at the very beginning of the year. And I was asking the Lord, what did he want me to speak to those that are connected to me? And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you, because this podcast is uh, one of the ways that people connect to me through the awesome power of modern technology. And so let me read this word just to kind of get us back on the, on the same page. And I really encourage you, I, you know, I posted this on my Facebook group, my Facebook page. I encourage you to go over there and, you know, you can obviously listen to this and transcribe it, but I encourage you to take the time to write it down. You know what? Get your journal out and, and just write this word in the, in the, you know, the, just the beginning of your journal and make it a habit to look at it on a, on a, on a regular basis to remind you. Think of it like a roadmap. Think of it like you're on this journey. And every once in a while, you need to go back and check the map and make sure you're on track. Like, oh, here's where I started. Here's where I am. And so here's the word. It says, I'll just read the whole thing. Uh, It said, in order to be truly successful in life, my kids must live out of their true identity. They must live out of who they are in Christ. They must live out of the place where they are abiding in me. This means that each of them must stop identifying with their old self-image. The unregenerated me, the separated me, the alienated me, the independent me. This me no longer exists. It's just a memory of who they've experienced themselves to be over the course of their lives. I'm going to stop there because that's some deep, that's some, that's some deep revelation right there. I'm going to read that last sentence again, that this old me no longer exists. It's just a memory of who they've experienced themselves to be over the course of their lives. However, this memory of me, who in reality no longer lives, must die in their minds. You cannot identify with the old man and the new man at the same time. You cannot be joined to me and separate from me at the same time. I kind of put a little note here, not in the word, but I'm thinking it's kind of like being, you know, you're either pregnant or you're not. There's no such thing as partially pregnant, right? So it says, you cannot be joined to me and separate from me at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. 
I'll keep reading. It says, the state of abiding in Christ is the normal and perpetual state of being for a believer, whether they are aware of it or not. Separation from me is always just an illusion. However, when someone is deceived by this illusion, my life does not flow through them. As a result, they cannot produce the fruit, i.e. the results they want. And I just want to say this way. You cannot live the life that you were created to live. It says they cannot produce the fruit that only comes from being connected to the tree of life. My results are only produced by abiding in me. The supernatural is the natural byproduct of your life as you abide in Christ. But remember, child, it is one thing to know who you are in Christ, yet entirely something different to live out of this identity as a way of life. And this, my child, is the reason I created you. He's talking about me now. He said, I have called you to help people live their life purpose and make a difference in the world the only way it can happen through oneness with me. This is also why you must never, ever stop moving forward and believing me for big and possible dreams for yourself and others. Yes, it may be easier to live a normal life, quote unquote, but Jesus paid an incredible price for you to experience my life. If you want to know what those connected to you need to know coming into this year, in order for this year to be the best year they've ever lived, tell them this. Now, this is a pretty big secret here. I mean, this is God's promise that if you, this is the secret to making this the best year you've ever lived. Here's what he said. Listen to my voice. Make knowing me, living out of your true identity, and learning to abide in union with me your number one priority this year. I'm going to read it again. If you want to make this year the best year you've ever lived, listen to my voice. Make knowing me, living out of your true identity, and learning to abide in union with me your number one priority this year. Success in life isn't found in setting and achieving more goals. It is found in living life with me, in union with me. Will you set and achieve goals living this way? Of course you will. You will set and achieve my goals. I will accomplish my will and I will establish my kingdom through you as you abide in me. However, you and your life will not be defined by the success or these accomplishments. For who you are and your success in life is singularly defined by who you are in me. Okay, so I, again, I'm calling the teaching Abiding in the Vine, but I want to, I want to, the first thing I want to share about this, and I, I've been talking about this, you know, for a couple of weeks here now, so the, some of this may be redundant, but you need to hear it again. We need to hear it again, right? Uh, because until abiding in the vine, and what I mean by that, until you are living out of your true identity and living out of a place of union with Jesus and experiencing oneness with God on a moment-by-moment basis, meaning it has become a habit, 
This is your habit. This is, this is the way you see yourself. Your self-image and the truth have become one thing. Well, then you do need to hear it again <laughs> because we forget until this has become our new identity in practice, in, in the way we're walking out our life, in our emotions, in our thoughts, in, our, in, in the way that we process information, in the way that we go through circumstances, in the way that we respond, in the way we choose things, in the way that we make decisions, until this is literally a way of being. Okay? Not, not a theory, but a way of being, then we need to hear it until we get it. Now, I remember starting from a place where, and I, I talked about this, but, you know, I started from a place where the gospel that was preached to me was a message about the afterlife. Well, it was a message about two things, sin and the afterlife. It was like God's solution for sin and the afterlife, although it sounded more like, to me, it just it was a very uh, negative identity-forming message for me. Uh, it, it created a sin-based identity in my life. Now, granted, maybe it was the filters I heard it through. Maybe it was the denomination that I grew up in. I'm just saying that, that because of the religion that and the focus on sin that I received that message through, I not only felt very separated from God, I felt unworthy for God. And I felt, um, you know, you understand mercy, you understand grace, you understand that, you know, you're forgiven in theory, but you're still a problem. You're still a sinner. There is no real hope for you to really ever be anything but that. And so it created in my own life a very negative relationship with myself because at the core of my identity I believe there was something wrong with me i.e. I am a sinner what's wrong with me I'm a sinner now the saved by grace kind of part got a little glossed over I think and I never really got the fact that I was now a saint <laughs> I never really got the part that that I was a new creation I never got the part that I was crucified with Christ, that the sinner part of me had ceased to exist because I was crucified with Jesus. On It was crucified. The old man had died along with Jesus. And that, I really guess I didn't even understand baptism because baptism, you know, really is a symbolic uh, declaration of our death with Jesus and our, our resurrection to new life. But for whatever reason, I missed the point. And I feel like a large majority of Christians walking around, especially here in, in Western, <laughs> the Western world, have also missed the point. And so we're still walking around with this prevailing thought that we, there is something wrong with us, that there is something to be fixed, that there is... We identify more with the idea that we are separated from God than we are one with God. I mean, even, you know, even when we go to church, you know, and we think about worship and stuff, I mean, we, we use Old Testament references like enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. 
you know, like, like we got to go find God. You know, like we're, we're, we're in, like we're in old, the Old Testament, like we're going to the temple. And we're going to praise, and then we're going to get a little closer to God. We're going to enter into enter into the courts, right? Then we're going to, with some thanksgiving, and then we're going to get a little bit closer to God with some praise. And then when we worship, maybe God will grace us with his presence today. God, come and be with us in this service today, you know? And And we... And again, it may not be that, you know, we don't blatantly necessarily consciously think of it like that. But we do, a lot of times, a lot of us experience this dichotomy in the sense that we sometimes feel close to God and we sometimes feel far away from God. And then when we're in worship, we can feel the presence of God. And then, you know, when we're brushing our teeth... (laughs) <laughs> we just feel like someone who with stinky breath, right? And so we have this like kind of roller coaster experience in our spirituality. And that flows from this concept that we exist apart from God and that we have an identity that is separated from God and that we have this self that there is something that is wrong with it. We have a, a, you know, either, and we would maybe wouldn't call it a sin-based self, but we would call it an imperfect self maybe, or a self that's growing and learning, or, you know, it's just, a, it's, in a, it's a self in process. It's a self in process. Maybe we'll be sanctified someday, maybe, you know. And truthfully, let me, let me give you a new paradigm for how to think of this. Okay, I want you to think about that that self that is in process has been completely, has been murdered. <laughs> okay, it, it's dead. That self that is in process is dead. But you say, Shalisa, I am in process. Just stay with me. Stay with me. Don't argue with me till you heard the whole thing. Okay? Because that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us... <laughs> You know, if you go into Romans 6, that six, that literally we are to identify, identify with Jesus. And so, well, Shalise, what, what, what do we do with this process? If, if, if that, that, if we're not growing into being new or we're not growing into this image of Christ, what are we doing? Okay, well, here's the reality of it. There's a brand new you that's inside of Christ. The old you, this this sin-based you, there's something wrong with me you. That one no longer exists. And the only you that exists is the one that lives and moves and has its being inside of God. The only you that exists is the one that is wearing Jesus' skin that you are in Christ, and that Christ is in you, and that Jesus is wearing your skin. There is a union that has taken place with the two of you, with you and Jesus, frankly, with the Trinity, because the three of them are one, and now you've been added in, but frankly, not just you, but the whole body of Christ. So there's a whole lot of us that have become one (laughs) with Jesus Christ, and we do not exist outside of this union, except in our minds except in our memory of ourselves, except in the, in the, the way that we think, 
And so this process of growing isn't about becoming something new or isn't something, isn't about, isn't out, isn't about being transformed from the old you into the new you. It's about waking up to the fact that it's already finished. It's about waking up that the new you is the only you. I'm going to say it again. The new you is the only you. And so all of the ways that you act out of agreement with the mind of Christ or the word of God, so let's say this, all the sin that you still commit is because you have a thinking problem. You have a sin habit. You have a false identity habit. You have a lie-based identity habit. You have neural pathways in your brain that believe you are still someone you're not. And so you're acting <laughs> out of an identity that has been crucified with Christ because you're, you're fooled into thinking that's who you are. Now, I've just told, I've said a whole lot of things without, without a scripture. So I am going to read the Bible so we can actually say we've gone to church and that this is a Christian podcast, okay? Because otherwise I might get crucified by the Christian police and be put in church jail, and I don't want to go there. I've been there before. It is no fun, okay? So I, give me a second here because I'm going to pull up uh, a, a document that I have here that I should have put, pulled up beforehand. Uh, but I love the fact that you guys give me grace on these podcasts to be, flow with the Holy Spirit. So um, let me find this. Um, it's a document I have in here, and I think it's called Who I, Who I Am in Christ. And I want to just pull up some scriptures here because I want to read to you what the Word of God says about this new identity that you have become in Christ. Okay, let's go over to 2 Corinthians 5.21, and let's look at this scripture. Uh, this is a, an amazing scripture, by the way. Uh, I, this scripture changed my life, but let's, let's read it really quick. It says, God made him, I'm in the NIV translation, I may read it in a couple translations. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Now, this scripture makes no sense until you focus in. When I say it doesn't make any sense, I mean, I'm saying it makes the most sense, actually. When you get this phrase that says, in him. That in him, we might become the righteousness of Christ. Now, let me read in a couple of other translations just to get a really good feel for what it's saying, okay? In the, in the Amplified Bible, it says, He made Christ, who knew no sin, judicially to be sin on our behalf, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Now, this is kind of an interesting translation because it, it kind of it explains what righteousness is at as some kind of acceptance by God, or some kind of right relationship with God, like our righteousness is somehow about our relationship with God. 
But I'm going to read a couple more translations because it really is important that we get what it's really saying. And depending on the translation you read, it, it says something a little bit different. Here it is in the Passion Translation. It says, for God made, his, made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. And I like the way he says this. He says, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Okay, I feel like the Passion Translation does a great job of really bringing out the meaning of the scripture. And I'm sharing the scripture in the context of who we really are. And I, when I got a hold of this scripture, you know why it was so powerful for me? It's because here I had this sin-based identity. I had this idea that there was something wrong with me. And so this scripture made it clear that, wait a second, what was wrong with me, Jesus became. Jesus became what was wrong with me. Yet what did he become? He became sin. He became the sinner that I was. And guess what? As a result of that, I became what he was. And so there's this kind of really powerful revelation that comes from understanding what Jesus has accomplished so that we could live in him. Okay, let's look at another one here. Let's look at Ephesians 2.10. And I'll, I'll start reading this one in, um, we'll read it in the Amplified. I really like the Amplified one of this scripture. Let's just read this one. It says, verse 10, for we are God's own handiwork, or his own, yes, his own handiwork, and then it says his workmanship, recreated in Christ, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. I want to highlight one phrase, that we are recreated in Jesus. Recreated in Jesus. So this is there has been a recreation of your, your identity. You are not who you think you are anymore. <laughs> if you think that you are, if there's something wrong with you, if you think that you are separated from God, if you think you've done something that could mess up your relationship with God or that you're far away from God. No, you, you are a, when he talks about, let's go to that scripture next, you are a brand new creation. You are a brand new species of being. And this may be a lot of review for people, but let me say this, knowing it is not enough. Hearing it is not enough. You are called to live out of who you really are. You are called to experience life as a new creation. You are called to experience life as a righteous heir of God. And so this is about you experiencing your new identity, not just hearing it, not just spouting off the scripture like you're a parrot. This is about actually knowing this in the core of your being so that, as I, I we go back to it, so that you're abiding in the truth. You're abiding in Christ. You're abiding in the vine, which is Jesus. 
He is the vine, you are the branches, it says in John 15. And so this is about abiding, living, dwelling, staying connected to the truth of who you are in God. This is about you developing a habit of knowing who you are. This is about developing a a mindset, a stronghold in your mind that cannot be, you can't be talked out of this because of the circumstances that come along in your life. You can't get talked out of this because, I don't know, you didn't walk it out perfectly today. You can't fall back into this place of thinking God is far away or that there's something wrong with you or that you're somehow separated. You can't be deceived anymore by this illusion. You're convinced. You're not just convinced. You are transformed. Meaning you're tra- there's a transfiguration. There's a, there's a metamorphosis that has taken place. Not that you, you were already changed, but now we can see it. You see it. First off, you see it. You see the truth. Okay, I want to go to the scripture um, that we are that we are uh, this whole new creation scripture about being new creation in Christ. Right. So let's go. Um, let me find that one. Let's go to Second Corinthians five, seventeen. And I'm going to read that. I'll start with the Passion Translation. It says, now, I love the way this says this. It says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. Now, this is really powerful, this next part. It says, all that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. There's a little note here uh, on this uh, in the Passion Translation that says, this would include our old identity, our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, our old mindsets. We are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this is a scripture worth meditating on. I mean, this what does it mean to be new? To be brand new. And this is not a, like a, this is a whole new species. <laughs> this is a whole new species of being that, that you and God have been mixed together into this one glorious perfection (laughs) and now it's 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 a it is and it's as unique as you and Jesus being one so there's no two of us that are exactly the same expression of the glory of God it's a new you are a beautiful masterpiece of Jesus in you you're a beautiful masterpiece of Christ being expressed through your personality, through your gifts, through your talents, through your passions, through your thoughts, through your emotions. You, you are a unique, beautiful work of art that displays God's goodness and glory and character. One of a kind. 
a brand new you. And I remember the first time I heard this, I mean, I, I'd love to say I got excited, but my first reaction was I was annoyed. <laughs> I was annoyed that I grew up in church and nobody told me this. Or if they did, I didn't hear it. I didn't have ears to hear something. What? You mean I'm not who I thought I was? Wait, you mean I don't have to be depressed about myself anymore? <laughs> I don't have to feel bad. I don't have to be on antidepressants. I don't have to go through therapy to, to try to make peace with myself. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I could just... I could focus on, on the good news of what Jesus has done for me. It was revolutionary. It was revolutionary. And what the Lord is saying in this word from 2019, for those of us that have heard, this is from a lot of us, this is not, this is maybe the 20,000th time we've heard the scripture. This is the, the 50,000th time we've heard the scripture. Maybe it's not that much for you. But it's time to live out of this. It's time to, it's time to step into, and I say step into, that's not even the right word exactly. It's, it's just time to manifest this reality. I want to go to Ephesians chapter one. I read this a lot, but I just love it in the, the Passion Translation so much. I love the way, uh, it's expressed. And so I just want to read this to you. It's, uh, verse three. It says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped in Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. In verse 4, it says, he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes and with an unstained innocence. For it was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Verse 7, since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. Now, I could keep going because it's just such good news. But... I want to stop here for a moment and just rec- let you recognize that verse 3, where it says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. Notice that that is past tense. It's already been lavished upon us. Now, see, this is what really messes with our head. Because the world system operates totally opposite of the way the spirit realm operates. See, in in the physical realm, in, in order to have something, you have to be able to perceive it with your physical senses. So I, in order for me to have, for example, I'm holding this microphone stand. See, I have this microphone stand in my hand, so therefore I possess it. 
I have already been lavished with this microphone stand. I possess this microphone. See it? Can't you see this microphone stand? I have it. There's no argument here. I possess this microphone stand. But the problem with this new identity and with everything that comes with it, I mean, I mean, this is so mind-boggling to think that you literally are in union with God Almighty. Like, we've said it so much, it means nothing a little bit. It's like this, what does this mean? That's got, like, the guy that said, let there be light? Like, the one that set everything in motion in the beginning? The one that was actually, had the nails put into his hands? And, and was buried and then rose again, the same spirit that raised him up, that's the one that lives in me? Well, you know what? I can barely balance my checkbook. So I'm having a little hard time coming to, 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 to the, to being convinced that I'm somehow living in union with the guy who you just don't have, you don't have, how do you have words for this God? that we serve, this Father, this Jesus. But see, the, the, this, this identity that I'm describing to you, that, that what the Father is saying about abiding in the vine and living out of your true identity, and, and <laughs> this is all invisible. Your union is an invisible truth. It is, you can't, they can't cut you open on the operating table and find Jesus in there. They can't locate the Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead inside of you. It, with this is this is a this is what faith is. This is this is what it means to believe in something by faith. It means that you you read the Word of God and it's the mirror that tells you who you are. It's like okay, if He became sin, who knew no sin, so that I might become the righteousness of God in Him. Okay, it says Jesus became sin. I wasn't there. And guess what? Even if you were there, do you know that you wouldn't be able to see that? You wouldn't have been able to cut Jesus open after he was crucified and find the sin that he became. This is a, this is a revelation. And so when there's scriptures here that says, every, listen to this, every spiritual blessing. Now, spiritual sounds like, oh, like, Maybe that means like every spiritual blessing, like a Mother Teresa blessing. Like every blessing, like poverty could be considered a blessing because it humbles me. It's so spiritual. You know, or the spiritual blessing of humility in general. The spiritual blessing of suffering. I, I grow through my, I grow through my suffering and my relationship with God. It's a blessing that's so spiritual. No, it, this is, the spiritual part of these blessings just means they aren't material. It doesn't say every material blessing in the natural realm has been lavished upon us as a love gift from our Heavenly Father. It doesn't say that. This is material. It's talking about heaven versus the spirit realm versus the natural realm versus the material realm. And so the reality of this stuff is this is what's in heaven these aren't just, I mean, yes, humility is in heaven, but suffering is not. Poverty is not. So those are not the spiritual blessings of heaven. The spiritual blessings of heaven is joy, peace, patience. It's all of the fruit of the spirit. It's, it is, it is, let me say this, it's endurance. It's forgiveness. It's, it's, 
all of the all of the attributes of God's character that cause you to overcome and never give up. Love never fails. But all of these, it also guess what? It, it means health. It means deliverance from evil. It means joy in the midst of the worst of circumstances. I get that this may not be our experience, but it's never going to be our experience if I don't tell you that this is normal. It's never going to be our experience if we don't believe that we have access to the mind and to the heart and the emotions of God because we actually live inside of him. And that there is a way of living, a way of being, where we are abiding in him, abiding in Jesus, and there is his fruit. Something starts to come through us that is not of us. It is a source that is not of this world. It is a source of God himself. And it is totally supernatural. It is not human in origin. And it is not from, it is not, it's, we're not conjuring it up. We're not white knuckling it. This is, it's, it's, this is how men and women throughout history have changed history, have overcome, have, oh my gosh, endured things, have, gosh, been martyred. I mean, just incredible things that we hear the testimonies of people, I mean, joyfully being martyred. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we think, oh, well, that's just a horrible thing. Well, is it? I don't know. I don't know, because as a human being, that sounds horrible. But as someone who thinks, like, for the joy set before them, they somehow endured a cross, like, that's a mindset that is not of human origin. And so these blessings, these spiritual, invisible, non-material blessings have already been lavished upon us. It says, all because he sees us wrapped in Christ. Now, I, I want to stop here for a second because there's a couple of things that I want to say here about this. In verse 4, it says that he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen. I want you to see hear this, that we would be seen. That we would be seen as holy, that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Now, we are seen as holy because we are wrapped in Christ, because we are in Christ. But how? what do we see? When we, because most of us relate to ourselves and have a relationship with ourselves that is even more fluctuating and more unstable than our relationship with God. Meaning that our opinion of ourselves changes from day to day. And some days, you know, depending on, you know, do we get our to-do list done? Uh, I don't know, did we yell at our kids? Did we, I, I don't know, not overspend? Whatever, I mean, whatever. You know, we just feel good about ourselves or we feel bad about ourselves or we feel, and, and really, do we ever really, really feel holy? <laughs> do we really ever see ourselves as holy? And I'm talking about not just any holiness. 
This is the whole, the holiness of God. Like, you know, this is not holiness like a saint even. Like we think of saint, whatever, Francis. They're holy, the saint. No, holy. Like, you could, we could probably meditate on that one attribute and have a completely crazy life just because we started to see ourselves as holy. No, we, we, we are so clothed in shame based upon our behavior, based upon our thoughts, based upon our performance, you know, not living up to the, to the, I mean, you know, the Bible can make you feel guilty. Because you read all of that and you think, gosh, well, I didn't do any of that lately. I could have, you know, I could have, I should have. And let me say this. This is the law. Your holiness is not a, a, a result of anything other than the reality that God decided. God decided. God decided who you are before you even had self-awareness. Before you could define a self, God defined yourself. Hey! And he says, you're holy. You're adopted. You are chosen. Before, before you were born. Before anybody was born. <laughs> before Adam and Eve weren't even born. Just formed. Man, this, this, guys, I had, you're talking to someone who has been healed of manic depression. You are talking to someone who had such a horrible relationship with myself that I had addictions out the wazoo. I used anything I could find to try to placate and make myself feel better about myself. Because the last thing in the world I thought about myself is that I was holy or innocent in any shape. See, unstained innocence has to do with, oh gosh, just the beauty of childhood innocence. But it also has to do with the fact that you are not guilty. Not guilty. I don't, I, and this guilty verdict extends to the most horrific crime that you can actually think of. Like this, it boggles the mind, and to our law-based legalistic thinking, it doesn't even seem fair. Like this doesn't, we just, we don't even, what? But this is a, this is a lavish gift. And the Father, He, He chose. He chose. He chose. He decided. He decided who you are. And he sees you. Now, again, most of us, because of the fall, when we say God sees us, you know what? We feel naked and ashamed. I know I did. I mean, I need to go hide. I need to make some fig leaves. I need to cover this dirtiness up. Don't look at me, God. I'm dirty. I'm, la- I'm not holy. I'm dirty. And I'm not, I'm guilty. And that, that is the product of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is the product of an, a self-awareness apart from God. 
It is a self-awareness. It is a fallen, lie-based identity. It is a, and the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they conspired to come and kill that identity through the crucifixion of Jesus and nail it to the cross. And it no longer exists. I'm going to say it again, except in your mind. We have been trained by a world system and life experiences and really bad teaching. And we were not, I I always, I love to think this thought sometimes. My gosh, it just blows my mind. But what if we grew up in a world where you just were told your entire life there's nothing wrong with you? You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. And what if everybody on the planet got told the same thing? I mean, all this abuse and all this, the consequences of shame and sin-based identities and not knowing who we are. And man, then we just go identify with anything. You know what? I mean, you can find an identity anywhere. Why? Because we need to belong. And this, these, these scriptures are, are, are shocking. This is shocking. It's so good. It's shocking. It, and it is like, it, it, it's like, wait a second. How can I be holy? How can I be innocent? And I love verse five and I love the way Brian Simmons brings this out because he says this was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. And then it gives the reason why. Why did God do this? Why? Why did, why did God choose this? Why did God decide that this is who I am, that this is who you are? Why? It's so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. Let me say it a different way. So that his tremendous love, that he, he, the way he really feels about us, and this grace, that is, it, this grace attribute of who he is would be revealed. That his love for us could be revealed. And his, and grace is all about, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You didn't, you couldn't, you can't do it. It's God's. It's God. It's God's power. It's God's, it's, it's God doing it. (laughs) Independent of us. Without our help, without our cooperation. In this case, without our knowledge. I don't know. He didn't ask me about it. He didn't, he didn't come down and ask my opinion about what he was going to choose and did I want to be adopted? Why? Because he decided he loved me. He decided he loved you. He, he's, he's decided. You're, I love you. And you're holy. 
And this one really will rock your world. It says, the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Now, I think it's only mind-blowing if you really start to kind of figure, how does, how does the Father love Jesus? How does the Father love the Holy Spirit? Like, it, it, that love is so foreign to us. It's perfect love. There's no fear in it at all. It's the love that makes hearts one. It's, it's so other-minded. You lose consciousness of self in this kind of love. And I love this, that the unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Oh, so good. And so what is this? We have to connect, I guess is my point. We've got to connect to these truths. I'm taking a little bit of time today just to kind of, you know, I don't know what you'd say, just put a little drama, <laughs> put a little drama in the reading of the Bible today, you know, just because we do just gloss over it. And... Or we, you know, if I have to see one more post on Facebook about, you know, read the Bible in a year, I mean, really? Like, we're going to read the Bible in a year and not know who we are? And not not realize that we're holy? And, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with reading the Bible. Praise God, we read the Bible. We need to... We need to slow her down <laughs> and just just see law on just a few, just a few incredible life-defining truths of what it means to live in union with God, of what it means to be put inside of Jesus, to be There's scriptures about how our lives are hidden in Christ. We are complete in Christ. You know, there's scriptures about how he has perfected us, you know, forever perfected us. I mean, and and here's the, you know, here's the reality of it, is that the more that you connect into this and and start to be like, yeah, this is who I am. I'm holy. I'm innocent, right? I mean, here's the thing that that it leads down to, is that you actually begin to manifest it. But not only that, let me tell you what the Christian life is. And this is, it's not fun while you're getting established in this. But this is, this is, you are resisting every accusation. You are resisting every temptation to identify with a you who has been crucified. You are resisting thoughts. You are taking them obedient, it says, unto the obedience of Christ. Meaning you are like, no, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of the truth. What truth? The truth that you're holy, the truth that you're righteous, the truth that you are innocent, the truth that you're not guilty. You know that you're not guilty when you actually do something wrong? Now, again, I'm just talking about identity here. I'm talking about an identity We're not talking about practically how do you, you know, handle your mistakes while you're growing into the perfection of this. 
But here's the thing. If you don't get this, you will never handle them correctly because your mistakes will define you. You'll get defensive about them. Something, some other way of being will come out of this because somehow who you are is defined by what you do. And let me tell you that you can apologize for what you do so much easier when you recognize that it doesn't define you. You can own something that you've done wrong when it doesn't make you wrong. You can learn so much easier when it's not the definition of who you are. And so I'm really just talking about this connecting to the truth and staying connected. So I want to wrap up tonight really with the scripture that probably you'd think with a teaching called abiding in the vine, connecting to the truth that you might start out with. But let's go over to John 15. And, and truthfully, I could just go on and on before we even hint, it went here and, and even are wrapping this up. I mean, I forget the exact number. It's over 250 scriptures that talk about in the New Testament, in Christ, through Christ. Um, I mean, this is a, the theme. This is the theme of, of Paul's letters. Uh, this is the theme of much of Jesus' teaching, especially when you start to get into John, the, you know, the book of John, and go through John 14, 15, 16, 17, and you really read through that. When you get a lens for union and you really begin to recognize that this really is the foundation of our identity, you're not righteous, like righteousness apart from Christ. You're righteous because you're in Christ. When you get that foundation laid, you can start to have some meat. <laughs> you know, it's, but until then, it's like we're still learning who we are. So here's what it says in John 15. It says, I am the true vine. Oh, I'm going to read this. I'm going to go to a different version. I'm going to go to the amplified version just because it's a good little amplification. Okay, it says, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off, and takes away. And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. Now, I just want to stop here, and I want you to start to think about what he's cutting away. He's cutting away all of the ways that you are living independently. He's cutting away all of the lies that you have believed about who you are. He's pruning that stuff because guess what? That keeps you from bearing fruit. It, it stops the, the source of God's love and the source of, 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 of him from flowing through you. So he's pruning that stuff off. I mean, you know, a lot of times people act like this is some painful process. No, I'm sorry, but this is more like you're cutting some stuff off. You need, this is weight. Like, get this off of me. This is, this is weighing me down. Like, it, this is a relief. <laughs> you know, this is, this is like a wild tree or something that, you know, that needs to be groomed, <laughs> you know? So this is a good thing, and he's cleansing it. He's repruning it so that it will, man, so that the source of life can flow. 
In verse 3, it says, You're clean, cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I've given to you, because of the teachings I have discussed with you. Meaning you've heard the truth. You've heard the truth, and this truth is pruning that mess off of you. Right? You've connected with the truth, and you've been pruned. You've been cleansed of this stuff, these lies. You've, been, this, you've released that stuff. Now listen to what it says in verse 4. Dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. Live in me, it says, and I will live in you. Now, if you read this the wrong way, you'll think that it's somehow your choice to dwell or your choice to live in him makes the connection. And I want to tell you, there's other translations that say it different. I can go to the Passion Translation and read that one for you just so you can see a different translation of that. In verse 4, it says this, in the Passion, it says, So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. So here's what it's basically saying. It's saying, stay awake. Keep dwelling in me because I dwell in you. Stay connected to me because I'm always connected to you. So be, a, be aware. Abide. In other words, abide. Stay connected. Connect and stay connected. You're connected whether you're, you, you know it or not, but you won't experience it. Because what you, what you believe is what you experience. So, here's what he says. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. In verse 5, just continuing on the passion, it says, I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Meaning, let me just say it this way. There's a scripture in Romans 8 that says to be carnally minded is death. I mean, if you are, if you are believing the lie that you are separated from God, you will shrivel up and die because God is your life. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. It says in Romans 8 says, verse 7, but if you live in life union with me, if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Now, this is a very powerful promise. But it, 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 people read this and they think, well, I've asked a lot of things and it hasn't been done. As a matter of fact, I saw a Facebook post today that I almost, I almost had to copy and paste and I have to control myself. And it said something like this. It was talking about prayer. And it says, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, uh, and sometimes he just has something better. That is such a common cliche, like how we think about God and answered prayer. Okay, first of all, there's no Bible scripture that says that. <laughs> sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he has something better. Like, I'm sorry, what scripture was that again? No, it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And this scripture says, let me just read it so you guys actually hear what Jesus taught. He says, ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Okay, this is cray cray. 
Because I don't know if, if, if any of us can say this has been our experience in prayer. Well, I'm about to tell you why. Because we missed the first part of it. If you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Now, you have to connect this to the, to the reality that when you live as one, guess whose desires you're actually going to be feeling, filling? Are they your desires? Are they his desires? Like, whose desires are they? What's the motivation? Is it his motivation? Is it your motivation? I mean, what, what are we doing here? I mean, Jesus prayed this. He says, I don't seek my own will. I seek the will of the Father that sent me. So when you are living in union with God, there is a, the will of God is not, a, you're not clueless. And the will of God becomes your desire. And this is not some kind of sac, you know, like I got to sacrifice this, some religious like, it just, it's just, it flows out of you. And this is righteousness, guys. I mean, so this is the stuff that's in heaven. This isn't the will of God like, it's, it's not a mystery because you know what? God's will is prosperity. God's will is healing. God's will is, is heaven on earth. So this isn't like all of a sudden your will is going to get turned into something negative. It just really has to do with the experience of union to such a degree that his desires are flowing through you and you're just asking and receiving and God's plan and God's glory is being released through your life. And that's what it means by verse 8 when it says, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. And anytime you glorify the Father, let's think about what that means. It means that you reveal who the Father is. And guess what? The Father is amazing. The Father is so good. This is good fruit. Really good fruit. So as we wrap up tonight, I just want to encourage you, because I've said a whole lot, you could get almost overwhelmed by where, what do I do now? It's really just as simple as asking the Holy Spirit to help you get established in your true identity. And to recognize, by the way, that he's already doing that. And so it's just just asking the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've been very clear for quite some time now what the Lord is doing in my life. Now, I don't always understand it in in the moment necessarily, because it's it's more you know when you're being pruned, I think sometimes you think, "Hey, I needed I needed that arm. <laughs> like, what's going on here? I need I, I've lived with that lie for so long; it felt like it was a part of me. You know, but the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you into the truth. So this isn't 
something that he's doing independent of you. He's changing the way you think. He's renewing your mind. And so it's just as simple as Holy Spirit. Like, how do I, how do I cooperate with you? What do you, what do you, what, how, what is, for me, I mean, this has been taking the scripture and, and ask, have the Holy Spirit just enlighten it to me and make it my own and give me revelation about it. And, teaching me how to resist the accusations and the temptations to live out of a false identity. And for me, a lot of that battle has been self-accusation. It has been self-accusation and it has been uh, the temptation to agree with circumstances or the temptation to agree with other things that would attempt to define me. And so it's been a, a journey to uh, resist all of that. And so step one is we gotta, we got to hear the truth. We have to know what God says about us. And we have to know who we really are in Christ and live out of that reality in a moment-by-moment basis. And so whatever you have to do, I said this last week, whatever you have to do to develop a habit here, <laughs> To develop a stronghold. Yeah, it's, it's any habit, like any habit or any new belief system. At, at first, there's resistance to it. But as you focus and, and, and make it a priority and practice it pretty soon, it just gets installed into your subconscious mind. And now you are in agreement with who God says you are. So, Father, I just thank you that everyone within the sound of my voice is exactly who you say they are. They are living in the vine right now, attached permanently to you, in you. And so I pray, Father, that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding so that they would know the hope of their calling, the hope of what this means for them personally. Father, I pray, like Paul prayed, that you would grant unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you because as they know you, they know themselves. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. So wake, awaken our Spiritual senses. Speak this however you need to speak it. Arrange whatever you need to arrange in their lives, Lord, so that it's clear. It's clear. Bring them the tools. Bring them the truth. Bring them the support. Bring them whatever it is that they need. I know that you're already doing this, Holy Spirit, and that's why you're having them listen to this. I know that this is something you're already doing, but Lord, I just pray protection over them in the process. I just declare that they will not be deceived. I declare they will not get off track. I declare they will not be distracted. I declare that they will stay on the path that leads and guides them into the fullness of the revelation of their true identity. And I declare, Lord, that this is the year 
that the sons of God manifest. That this is the year that we begin living out of our true identity on a consistent basis. On a consistent basis. And every lie-based identity, we just we declare that thing is chopped off. Chopped off. Every stronghold that has kept us trapped and in bondage to a version of ourselves that you have not recreated in Christ for us to be, Lord, we just declare that that cannot live. It cannot live. We, that thing's cut off in Jesus' name. And so we receive it, Father. We receive it all, and we trust you. We trust you as the gardener. We trust you to renew our minds through the power of your spirit and cause us to experience what Jesus has accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as always, I just encourage you that if, you know, this podcast is blessing you to, you know, head on over to shalice.com and make a donation, support the podcast. We have, uh, obviously, there's expenses and recording this and doing the ministry and getting this message out and every gift matters. It's not about the size. I mean, Jesus told the widow with the might that she'd given him more than anyone, but it's about the heart. It's about the heart to support and to partner with uh, those that are, are spiritually feeding you. So I encourage you to do that. And uh, also, if uh, you have not downloaded a copy of my book, I encourage you to do so at uh, www.thepathfreebook.com. And when you download the book, you'll get access to some free training, uh, five keys to hearing the voice of God clearly about your life purpose. And you'll find out more about Emerge School of Transformation, which is a school that is dedicated to helping you get established in your true identity. And then from that true identity, uh, walk out and discover and live your life purpose. So I just bless you as we head into the week. Uh, it's a, this, we record these podcasts on Sunday here, but I just, whatever day you're listening to this, I just thank you that, I just pray and I, I thank the Lord that, uh, this, uh, just the result of this teaching is going to shift the way the rest of your day goes, the rest of your week goes, and that you are going to agree with the gospel. So, God bless you until next time.